Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, we ask You to work in our hearts, to enliven our hearts, to open our ears, to open our eyes, to make our hearts capable of receiving Your Word more deeply, more thoroughly, that we would continually find roots growing deep down into us that come from Your Word planted in us. Awaken us to the work of Your Holy Spirit and enable us to walk these paths that You have placed us upon, to walk in faithfulness, And in walking in faithfulness to walk in joy, receiving the blessings of your presence always. All of this we do ask through that very one, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Something that I've learned over these past few years is that gardening is hard. I've attempted to do some vegetable gardening, and many of you have heard of my wonderful inability to grow grass. That experience with working with the ground and working with the soil has really caused me to realize I don't know what I'm doing. But thankfully, my working in the garden and trying to grow vegetables Thankfully, we're not dependent upon that. Thankfully, there's other places to get food because that work, like I said, has just been pitiful. I mean, a few years ago, we picked out an area of our yard and we tilled it up and we began planting various seeds that first year. Some of it sprang up quickly, but unfortunately, marth larvae devoured our squash and our many of our pepper plants and also most of our cucumber plants. However, the flowers we planted, they did all right. We put some flowers in a strip in the garden to attract pollinators. They grew up a little bit, and so we ended up with a few tomato plants that worked out, and a couple of cucumbers grew that year. The second year, we just outright skipped squash and and peppers. But we kept the cucumbers and tomatoes, and they did pretty well. The cucumbers not as good as the tomatoes, but it was better than the previous year. And this year, I didn't even get anywhere with it. I decided to try to dig up the whole area by hand to turn the soil over and to put extra fresh soil into it that would be healthier. But I didn't get very far because as I was kept digging and the boys kept helping me and Eva kept helping me, we dug and dug and we're slowly moving across the little garden area and we kept finding large rocks. We kept finding rocks and hard dirt And so we were taking those out and tossing them aside, and now we have a nice pile of rocks next to the house from where we dug rocks up out of the yard this year. So we didn't get very far. We didn't get anything planted this year, but hopefully next year we'll begin to see and try it again and hopefully have more success that we'll be able to turn the dirt over better now that we've done it once. And hopefully it will be softened up enough to where when the seed is planted, those roots will be able to go down into that dirt and grow successfully. And just maybe something will come of all of that work. Like I said, gardening is hard. It just seemed like it was so simple that you just plant the seeds in the ground and you give it some water and they just grow. 
Well, there's a lot of care to be done daily. It has to be done to the ground. It has to be done to the plants. You have to water properly. You have to fertilize properly. There's many layers to making a garden grow and to work. Things I hadn't considered. And that, sadly, is from someone who watched his father garden his whole life. My dad made it look so easy to produce a successful garden. It just seemed so effortless that he just went out and he planted his plants. He watered them, he tended to them, and they grew well. It looked so easy. And maybe my dad didn't even realize the amount of care he was putting into it since he had done it his whole life. He probably doesn't even realize how much care he takes into gardening because it's ingrained in him to just simply go out and care for these plants. But he didn't teach me how to do that because it wasn't necessary. For him, growing up, his grandfather and his dad taught him how they garden because they needed those fruits and vegetables. They needed those plants to grow and to be successful, to supplement the food that they could buy. But for us, when I was growing up, that wasn't needed. We didn't necessarily need that supplement. He simply did it for the joy of it and to bring in fresh produce because, after all, fresh produce is probably healthier than what you can get in the store. But it wasn't necessary, and so he didn't take the time to really teach me how to do it or to be quite that explicit in trying to encourage me in that way. And so for me, I have a lot of work ahead of me for gardening. I've got to learn how to work the ground. I've got to learn how to fertilize the ground, to prepare it, to work it, in order for it to receive that seed and for it to grow well. So that those seeds can produce that which is hidden within them. And in so many ways, that is the challenge Jesus gives to us today. He wants us to think and understand. He challenges us today to listen and to hear and to see and to perceive. He does all that so that we will more fully know the fullness of His work in us. And so the first thing that we have in our parable today is that challenge to understand, to lay hold of and to think about what this text is talking about. And we hear that very much so in verse 9 when Jesus simply says, He who has ears, let him hear. You see, Jesus loves to tell parables. We think of little stories like this as being things that illustrate the point and make an idea make more sense to us. However, for Jesus, parables are not things that make the world make sense. Parables are stories that cause us to step back and think about the world and how it doesn't make sense. We're to be challenged by these parables and ask and say, Lord, what does this mean? He challenges us to understand what it is that he's talking about. That as he talks about that sower who goes out to sow, he's not just talking about ordinary seed here. He speaks of seed falling among the path and the birds coming and eating it up because it can't get down into the ground. The hard path probably being the garden path, possibly there through the field, that field path where the gardener and the sower would walk and put their seed out. And so that dirt gets packed down tight and some of the seed will fall because he's liberally throwing the seed out into the earth because that's how you usually plant something like wheat or barley. 
You don't go through and just put each individual seed down into the ground. You fling it out and it grows into the ground. So some of that fell there on that pathway and it can't grow because of the hardness of that dirt. That's something that we have to think about and understand as we understand this text. Some fell into that rocky area and it was able to spring up, but those rocks kept it from growing down, kept it from rooting into the soil because there were too many rocks around. And so the sun burns it up. Other seed falls in with thorns and thistles and weeds. And as those things grow and they suck up the vitamins and the nutrients in the soil, even though the seeds begin growing, they can't draw the life that they need from the soil. And so they wither up and they die. They can't survive. But other seed fell where it needed to fall onto that cultivated earth, onto that cultivated ground. And when it did, it enabled that seed to take root and to spring up in a way that it couldn't in the other places. Jesus is speaking to all the people around Him, to not only His disciples, but the crowds that had gathered around Him. And He's challenging them deeply to understand and to think about the Word of God in a new way. To think about it in such a way that they will be caught up into that Word. That they will be rooted in that Word. So that's the challenge that Jesus extends to the crowds to think and to understand and to cry out and say, I don't get it. Enlighten my heart. Make me to understand what you are telling me, Jesus. That is what He wants us to do. To pray to Him, to look to Him, to say, I don't get it. And then to turn our ears toward Him. To say that I don't have the ears to hear, Jesus, so give me that kind of ear. Give me an ear that can hear Your Word. Give me an ear that can understand, that can grasp and lay hold of what You are telling us through Your Scriptures. And so Jesus is challenging the crowds and us today to understand and to think about this text, to think about His words. And of course, out of that thinking about and understanding, we have to hear that Word. And so there's a challenge to hear to listen, to take in what Jesus is giving to us. And that's what we see Him do when He begins explaining this parable to His disciples. Skipping over those verses from 10 to verse 18 where Jesus gives an explanation for why He speaks in parables, we'll come back to that briefly near the end to consider why Jesus speaks in parables. But Jesus, in our way of ordering it, we're going to talk about the parable itself. We heard the parable of the seed falling on various kinds of soil and it responding and the soil responding in different ways. And the disciples ask Him to tell them what it means because they don't get it. The crowds don't get it and they don't get it. What, is he, what are you talking about? And so Jesus explains it. He says to them, Hear then the parable of the sower. The challenge to hear happens explicitly in this text. Jesus says, the people hear. This is the one who hears over and over and over in this explanation. Because the seed is the Word of God. The seed is the Word of the Kingdom. The seed is Jesus Himself being proclaimed and preached and given out to the nations. That is what the seed is. The seed that the sower throws out. We don't know who the sower is. The sower doesn't represent any specific individual. The sower is simply the one who is going out and proclaiming the kingdom, proclaiming Jesus. The sower is the one who is 
throwing out the Word of God to anyone who will hear, to anyone who will listen. And when you do that, there are going to be various kinds of dirt that you encounter, various kinds of soil that is encountered by the sower. But all of it starts off with that simple hearing of the Word. There are various circumstances that cause their responses to be different, yes. But nonetheless, the Word is still the Gospel. Charles Schaeffer, a Lutheran commentator, said that the Gospel, the power of God, always retains its regenerative influences through the Spirit. But like good seed, which retains its vitality, it must find soil prepared for it before it can bear fruit. And so even when the seed falls on hard, packed dirt and it can't start growing, that seed still has the power of God in it. Because that seed is the Gospel. It is the Word of God. It is the Law of God. It is everything that God gives us in the Scriptures. And thus, it retains its ability to give life, to renew. But it must land upon hearts that are prepared for it. Because after all, in three of these places, three of these types of soil the soil responds and the seed does grow. Albeit, it lasts for different lengths of time because of the preparation of the soil, but nonetheless, it does respond in three of them. So that's a starting place for us. Nonetheless, there is a response. Only in one of them is there no response. And in that one, it's because the condition of the ground is so hardened, so packed down, so turned away that the seed can't sink down into it and begin to take root. The seed can just simply land on top of that heart and stay there. And Jesus says that that is a heart that is hardened. That is a heart that is turned away from God so deeply that it can't do anything. The Word of God can't affect it. Because that person has pushed away the Word of God, has pushed away God's Spirit and His working. And so what happens when that seed lands there? The hardness of heart ignores it. The hardness of heart rejects it. So much so that while it's just sitting there, being rejected, the birds of the air come along and the birds of the air here are Satan himself coming and they snatch away that seed and take away the Word of God from that heart because that Word can't sink into that heart. And so the Word is lost on that person at that time. For the seed cannot do anything to that packed down hard dirt in that moment. But there's more here. There's also seed that lands on rocky soil, that is. Soil that has loose enough dirt in it, but it's full of rocks, it's full of things that will keep that seed from growing properly. Because after all, Jesus says, What was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is a person who does hear. This is a person who has some understanding of the word. And that person responds with joy. They are overjoyed to hear the gospel, to hear that God is at work, that God is changing hearts, that God is renewing people, that God is renewing them. And yet, because of the rocks all around, the rocks that fill that heart and soil, He only endures for a while. He only endures briefly because then tribulation and struggles will come. 
And those will drive out the faith that is rooting itself. Those will drive out the response. Those will drive out the possible fruitfulness of those seeds sitting there that have begun growing. And those tribulations aren't just everyday struggles. Here, that word tribulation is referring to the straight-up persecution of the church. This is a tax against the church itself. The oppression and the afflictions that happen to God's people is this kind of tribulation. And that, seeing that, causes this person to turn away and to fall away. He immediately falls away when he encounters that kind of persecution. But that's not the end of the story. That word for falling away there, it's used elsewhere. Jesus uses it to predict the disciples' own falling away. He tells them that on the night of His betrayal, they will all betray Him. They will all fall away. They will turn away from Jesus. So remember that. That the disciples fell away from the Lord in the moment of tribulation. But remember what later on happened to those disciples. We'll come back to that near the end. Then there are the seeds that fell among thorns. And those thorns, as Jesus said, those are the distractions of the world. The seed can grow up, but the distractions of the world, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, they choke it out. Because they have roots in the heart too. They have roots in that soil and they're drawing out the nutrients. They're drawing out of the soil what the seed needs from that soil. They're distracting that hearer from understanding the full implications of the Word. And though the seed may grow some, it can't survive and bear the necessary fruit. Those plants become weak and anemic because of the thorns and thistles and weeds. Stealing that water and those nutrients. And so the good plants can't survive and in a weak and anemic state. It's too easy to be that kind of soil, to be that distracted one. The one who hears the word and has some response, but then looking around and leaving church, you forget what's going on. And that life gets stolen away from the plants, from the good plants, from that seed, from the opportunity for that seed to really take root. So moving away from God being in the first place in our lives and Him being put down the list and becoming neglected in our daily lives. And so our focus gets broken by the thorns and the distractions, moving us from that place of receptivity. So our attention is choked by the thorns and thistles of this world. We miss out on that real life that we need because we're paying attention to the thorns and the thistles. We're letting them grow and we're letting them have life. We're enabling them to do what they want to do in our lives instead of rooting them out, instead of pulling them out so that the good life can be received, that that good seed can grow and be fruitful. And of course, lastly, Jesus explains that that seed that falls on good soil is the seed that falls on the heart that hears the word and understands it, that is able to think about it, that is able to receive it fully. And it grows deep down roots into that heart because that soil has been prepared, it's been loosened, it's been cultivated, it's been fertilized in various ways so that that seed can take root, can germinate and grow into the right kind of plant. And then it produces fruit and a harvest before God. In some cases a hundredfold, in some cases sixty, in others thirty. There are various kinds of responses there. 
But nonetheless, the seed produces the fruit it's supposed to produce. Because like I said, the seed has that power within it to begin with. A good seed will grow when it's given good soil. Every acorn you see is a tree that simply needs time and the right type of soil, nutrients and water to grow up into a great oak. Of course, with that little acorn, everything is in it. Life is in it. And it will take hundreds of years sometimes for that oak to grow to its full heights. So it's a slow, slow process of growing. And that's what we're being challenged with as well. Not only are we challenged to think and understand the Word of God, we're challenged to hear it as well, to listen and to lay hold of it. But then comes that challenge to see and to perceive what it means to receive that Word of God. That seeing and perceiving is probably the hardest part here. Because that seeing and perceiving means being confronted with the Word, being confronted with the law, being confronted with your own idolatry. Because that's the purpose of these parables, is to force us to think, to force us to cry out to God. And in crying out to God, He will turn and open our eyes. In verses 10 through 18, the disciples ask Him, like, why are you speaking in parables? It's so confusing to the people. Why don't you speak plainly and clearly? And Jesus gives this beautiful answer. To them, He says, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God to the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. They aren't to know about it. Not yet. He's not saying this as an absolute statement of they can never know about the kingdom. But it's been hidden from them momentarily so that Jesus can give more and more to His disciples to prepare them for the work that they are called to do. Chad Bird points out that to understand, to receive, and to bear fruit leaves no room for boasting. So these disciples are being allowed to walk with Jesus and to learn from Him, but it is the giver and the sower and the seed that deserves our attention so that they can turn and give thanks to Jesus for enlightening their hearts. They're not intelligent in and of themselves. They don't have understanding. They don't have hearing without the Word of God. Jesus Himself working it into them. He is cultivating them and renewing their hearts to make them the kind of people who will turn from idolatry and turn to Jesus. Because that is ultimately what these parables come down to. Jesus gives us a quote from the book of Isaiah chapter 6. This prophecy says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. This is in the midst of Israel's apostasy, of Israel's idolatry, of worshiping other gods. What God tells them is, you don't see and understand, you don't see and perceive because your heart has turned toward idols. And just as the idol is deaf, just as the idol is blind, just as the idol is mute and unable to speak, you too are becoming that way. You too have grown in that way. You have made your heart dull and fat with your idolatry. And as you have looked to these idols, you have lost your understanding of Yahweh and His ways. You have shut up your ears because you want idols. You have covered up your eyes because you want idols. You have turned away your understanding 
Because you want idols. These idols were various kinds of other beings, of other gods that promised their own things. And the hearts were taken up by them. The hearts turned away from God. And they blinded themselves and hardened themselves and became that hard soil that couldn't hear the Word of God anymore, that couldn't see the Word of God, that couldn't perceive it and take it in. That is what Israel became. But Jesus says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see and your ears, for they hear. Jesus has lifted the disciples out of this crowd who cannot hear right now, this crowd who cannot understand or see, in order to teach them and send them into that crowd to then confront that crowd. And through that confrontation of the Word, of the law and the Gospel from Jesus, their hearts would begin to open once more. Their hearts would begin to be plowed over as they are realizing that they don't understand what Jesus is talking about. As they hear this Word that they can't grasp, as they hear these parables that confuse them, they are beginning to turn that soil over. The Holy Spirit is beginning to water that ground to soften it. And then He will plow it over with more and more of the law and the promise, turning it into soil that can then receive. That they will move from being hard pathways. That they will move from being rocky soil that can't allow rooting. That they will move from being soil full of thorns and thistles and idolatry and become the good soil. These parables are to lead them through that process. I like how J.C. Ryle speaks of this parable. He says, It is not enough that we come to hear. Hearing is not enough. We may come and be careless. It is not enough that we are not careless in our hearing. Our impressions may be only temporary and ready to perish. It is not enough that our impressions are not merely temporary, but they may be continually yielding no result. In consequence, because of our obstinate desiring of the world, truly the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is exceedingly corrupt. Who can know it? You see, this description of the various types of soil is a description of each and every one of us. None of us are perfectly good soil right now. We all have our hardness of heart at times. We all have our rocky moments. We all have our thorny, thistly moments. We all, thank God, have those moments of good soil allowing the Word of God to take root that leads us to say, turn over the soil of my heart more thoroughly, O God. Remove the rocks, remove the thorns, remove that hardness and plow it over that my heart would become a fully fertile field for you. Take away this unyieldingness. Take away this distraction. Take away my fear of tribulations so that I will have good soil is what we are to cry out and long for. The soil is not static. It is ever-changing as the Spirit works on us. Like I said, remember the disciples who fell away on the night that Jesus was betrayed. They were rocky soil in that moment. They saw persecution. They saw tribulation. And they ran for the hills. They abandoned Jesus and gave up their faith in that moment. But upon hearing of Jesus' resurrection, they begin murmuring with one another. They begin realizing the truth. 
Their eyes begin to be opened by the Spirit working ever so quietly in their hearts and then they finally see Jesus face to face once more. And their hearts are plowed over by that revelation of Jesus alive from the grave. Their hearts and the rockiness is ripped out of them so that suddenly the seed takes root in a deep and new and abiding way. That is what Jesus does to our rocky hearts and our thorny hearts. That is what He does to our hardened hearts. He plows it over as He makes Himself known. That Word begins to work in us. The Holy Spirit tends to the soil and He plows it over and turns it over and begins softening everything in us. He begins removing those thorns and those weeds and reveals to us where those thorns and weeds are. He reveals to us those rocky places so that we can begin rooting them out under His power and His strength. That we can begin pulling those thistles away. That we can begin gaining strength to not fear tribulation. That is the goal of this parable is to drive us to see that we are the hardened pathway. We are the rocky soil. We are the thorny soil. When we are left to ourselves. We are to see that our hearts themselves need plowing over continually. They need tilling up. They need turning over so that the nutrients of God's word can go down into it. That the seed can go into it and spring up life and root down into us to keep that soil healthy. The Father is preparing our hearts every time we hear the word. Let us turn and listen Let us turn and think. Let us turn and see that Word. And hearing that Word, understand it. And have the rockiness and the thorns rooted out. Have that hardness turned over. God desires for that seed to take root. And so as He prepares our hearts little by little, we will start crying out for more and more of that preparation so that that seed can take root. And then we will be sent forth with hearts that have been tilled over. And as we walk in that rootedness of the seed, as we walk with tilled over hearts, confessing the hardships that we find, confessing those hardened places that we will discover, God will turn those over too. We confess the thorniness that we find and He will uproot those thorns as we confess it and gives us strength to uproot it. It is Him working in us, not us doing it on our own. And those things will get rooted out of us and we will turn and praise God. We will turn and give thanks. We will turn and rejoice at what He has done for us. And so we will see Him driving the roots deep down into our hearts so that we can receive that growth. It's a growth that He has already given in the seed to begin with. And then we turn and be steadfast for the prayer of the tilling of our hearts over and over so that hardness and rockiness and thorniness will be removed. And when those thorns and those rocks and that hardness is removed, that seed will grow into good plants and it will get the growth that it needs and it will take place and rise up in a great harvest in the end that will honor the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that we hear this today. Amen.